Welcome to the Mistress Reality Checklist. So it turns out the person you've been dating is married. What do you do? Well, rule number one is you run, run like hell. But if it's too late and you are already invested, then you should give yourself a reality check and pay attention to my list of rules. I cultivated these rules after watching countless women get dragged through the mud after they either came forward as the mistress or were outed as the mistress. And while this podcast is not designed to create a mistress or tell you how to be a better one, it is here to empower any person who, while they may have lost control of their heart, they can still be in control of their head. Hey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Hey, what what's uh, going on today? This is Christine Pfeiffer Stocky along with Dan Stocky. And welcome to the Mistress Reality Check List. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing exceptionally well. I can't complain. Yeah, I think you say that every episode. I know, I do. I Matter of fact, I kind of realized that as soon as I came out of my mouth. I'm like, but I'm always doing exceptionally yeah, and well. Yeah, the thing. It's like, we love what we do. So why wouldn't we be in a good mood before we start this show? Yeah. Right? I mean, what I what I say, what? I feel like crap. <laughs> I hate to be here. Ugh. I'm not looking forward to this at all. No, I'm having a very good day, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, so I've got some exciting news. Ooh. A couple episodes back, I uh, or maybe it was last episode, I'm not sure, I announced that I was adding a new rule to the Mistress Reality Check list. Okay. And I'm working on some future stories, and I think there might be another rule coming down. There's more rules. I, I, I mean, would it be safe to say that we are going to find more rules as we go through these stories? Yeah, I think so. I think because when I first started this, uh, the rules I came up with pretty basic. Like, again, I don't want to say duh. But as I'm doing this more and more, I'm like, oh, this, and and, and I vet the rule enough because I don't, not everything should be a rule. Some of it's advice, some of it's this, sure. but they're not everything is a rule. So I'm looking at a couple of future stories and I'm like, oh man, this, this might be a rule. But uh, let's not talk about the future. Let's talk about the present. Yes. Which probably involves the past. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm here all day. Yes. So today I am going to tell you the story of a woman by the name of Jojo Capice Minutulo. And that's I can remember. I can remember Jojo. Okay. Okay. And that's and that's how we're actually her real name is Marie Josette Capice Minutolo. Minutolo. Capice is spelt like. Caprese salad, but without the R. So, like, you know how caprese salad? Yeah, caprese. Yeah, so I don't know if it's capeche or if it's capice. So, you know. We'll call her Jojo. We're just going to call her Jojo. Is it ever, all of her friends knew her as Jojo. Jojo or Joe. Oh, all yeah. right. Yeah. So um, we're going to tell this story about Jojo, and she was the mistress of Anthony Schaefer. Anthony Schaefer. Or because he's British. I shouldn't say because he's British, but some people in Britain use the, they call him Anthony. So, uh, but most people call him Tony. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you'll refer, you'll hear me referring to Jojo as Jojo and Anthony as either Anthony, Anthony or Tony, depending on what my mood is when I'm speaking of this couple. It sounds to me that I might get confused throughout this, but you know, what else is new? Well, that's why I'm doing this right now is to say. To explain to me right now. To explain what I go back and forth between these names. Okay. Okay. I am calling this episode. Home is where they say it is. Home is where they say it is. <laughs> Home is not where the heart is. Home is where they say it is. Oh, okay. okay. Sounds very uh, 
authoritarian. Okay, so this is the story of uh, basically too many women. Uh-oh. Too many vagaries, too many emotions. This is the story of Anthony, Anthony, Tony, Schaefer, and Marie, Josette, Jojo, Joe, Capece, Capizzi. So many names. Minuto. <laughs> Jeez. Just, hey. I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo and Tony. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just as uh, just remember, we are recording this in beautiful downtown Duluth. So if you hear the city streets, that's what that is. Yeah. Mm. So let's start. Let's start talking about Anthony. Anthony Schaefer was born in Liverpool. 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 Anthony Schaefer was born in Liverpool, England, in 1926. He graduated from Trinity College in Cambridge. Ooh, fancy pants. Is he? Yes. Well, he was a fancy pants. He uh, came from a pretty Posh family in England. Mm. Would you call them a pish posh family? A pish posh. Well, pish posh is not right. Pish posh is like pish posh. Don't want to deal with it. Oh. Pish posh. Ooh. So posh is something else. So he graduated from Trinity College with a law degree. Okay. He went on to become a barrister, and a barrister is basically a lawyer. Barrister. You know, but it's a British. It's a, it's a Brit- British lawyer. British He's lawyer. a barrister. Uh, he it's worked, a better word for lawyer than than. I think have. so. I think so. To be a barrister. A barrister. Mm. Um, he worked in divorce chambers, which I'm, you know, I, I tried to look this up best I could, but I bet it's basically divorce court. So he worked, okay. he worked in the so chambers, meaning court, barrister, <laughs> meaning lawyer, <laughs> Anthony being Anthony, Tony. Um, so, uh, Anthony worked as a barrister with divorce or, you know, he worked with divorce. Um, then he went on to become an advertising copywriter, which I always find is interesting because well, that's it, a weird job. No, it's not because what does a, what does a, a lawyer do? He interviews, he writes, he presents a case. He has to do it in a compelling manner. I suppose it's so kind of a sales job. It's, just, so. it's it's drama, it's sales, it's all of that. So he became an advertising copywriter and then eventually hunkered down and decided to become a full-time writer. So he goes on to write the play Sleuth. Tony? Which became a film. Well, it became a film in 1972 with Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine. Um, it's, an, it's an old-timey film, 50 years old, give or take. But it's a very famous film. Yeah. It was first written as a play, and the play won the Tony Award in 1971. And he wrote the play. He wrote the play, and then he wrote the screenplay. Then he wrote the screenplay. Wow. Yes. All right. So, again, going back to his career, he graduates with a law degree. He becomes a barrister. He goes into advertising, writing copy, and then... Then a playwright, then a screenwriter. Screenwriter, right. He also wrote the Alfred Hitchcock film Frenzy. Jeez, this guy's prolific. And then he adapted... Several Agatha Christie novels for the screen, including one of my favorites, The Death on the Nile. Well, well, well. Yeah. Here so, comes Tony. So with here all comes his Tony. Fancy accolades in, in history. Well, and uh, this is also interesting. His brother Peter was also a famous writer, and he wrote the plays Equus and Amadeus, and then he wrote the screenplays for those respective films. So Anthony was following his brother's footsteps yes. a little bit? Yes, his twin brother. His twin brother. His wow. twin brother. This right. whole, this, I'm shaking my head like, whoa! This uh, this keeps blowing up in my my head. And actually, that you know, he's the twin brother to the guy who wrote Equus, which is a that's Equus a, and Amadeus, Academy Award winning film. You know, and what else is also interesting is that and this is just such a side note, but I think every detail when I do these researching uh, gigs or whatever, <laughs> these researching, they didn't know that there were twins. So Anthony comes out, and then five minutes later, Peter comes out. He was a surprise twin. 
the parents didn't know he was. The parents did not know. And again, we're talking like what, 1926? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's not a know. lot of sonogramming going on back in 1926. Yeah, so it's interesting because I always think to myself, that's interesting that they were twins. And even though Peter was the little brother, he's he's living the life that, I think Anthony wanted and then, okay. And this is, this is again, interesting. Peter lent him the money for him to quit his job and say, if you want to be a writer, I'll lend you the money. Go have at it. There you go. Yeah, All so, right. So yeah, these twins are taking the world by storm. Here. Yeah. So Anthony, Anthony becomes a very successful Tony award winning playwright, a very successful screenwriter during the course of his life and career. Anthony is married several times, several, times. several times. Okay. Yep. 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 So Anthony married, uh, was married to his first right. Henrietta and Henrietta, Henrietta okay. divorced him on the grounds of adultery. Okay. So it's, Fooling around so on fooling Henrietta. Around, you know, okay. so, uh, so him and Henrietta get married. They don't have any kids. In his autobiography, he said that, this is a quote, they honeymooned in Ibiza, or Ibiza. Ibiza. At arm's length. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> so it wasn't So the first marriage was like, ugh. I mean, if you're already not like. Not a lot of romance going on no. there at all. So first wife, Henrietta, they divorce because she claims he's an adulterer. And um, he's claiming he's an adulterer because, hey, wife's not putting out. I guess you could because, well. That's an autobiography. Honeymooning, but, yeah, honeymooning yeah. at arm's length is that's brutal. Yeah, yeah, unless there's you know measles involved or something like that. But <laughs> that's true. So uh, in 1961, he marries his second wife, Carolyn. Carolyn. And okay. they have two daughters, Claudia and Cressida. Cressida. Yeah. Claudia is okay. Got it. Cressida. I've heard the name Cressida before, and I like it a lot. And I think I'm oh, saying a good that name. right. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I've heard it before, and I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. Yeah. So Claudia and Cressida and Caroline. Okay. Okay. So many names. So he's married to Caroline. He's got the two daughters. And then in 1970, Anthony writes the movie that becomes a cult classic, The Wicker Man. Are you familiar with The Wicker Man? Familiar with The Wicker Man, but isn't that like the Nicolas Cage? No, no, no. Well, no. Nicolas Cage remade it. Remade it, but like the bees. Oh my God, the bees. That's the bees, right? so So he wrote the original Wicker Man, which... Was, was a, there was there a bees scene in the I original? I haven't seen the original, which is crazy. Mm. And I've only seen parts of the Nicolas Cage one. And it's actually I've on my list to watch. I've only seen the bees part. <laughs> <laughs> but The Wicker Man is enough of a cult classic that it, yes, you absolutely. know, let's make it again. And it is on the set of this film that Anthony meets Diane Salento, who would become his... Third wife? Mistress. Mistress? Third wife. Third wife. Third wife. Third wife. I know you thought I was going to say mistress. I thought, well, you're looking at me and I'm like, I said it wrong, but no, was she mistress and then third wife? We're going to, okay, here it comes. I'm going to tell you the story. What? Tell me. So, Henrietta. Yeah. Carolyn. Carolyn. Married to Carolyn. On the set of The Wicker Man, he meets Diane Salento and she does, in effect, become his mistress at first. At first. But she would eventually become his third wife. So, here's the pattern. Yep. He's he's definitely- Definitely showing his stripes. Right. So let's just talk about Diane for a minute. Okay. Because Diane actually had a pretty stellar career on her own. It's It becomes important down the road. So Diane was originally from Queensland, Australia. Queensland. And uh, was a very successful actress in her own right by the time she met Anthony. She received a Tony Award nomination in 1956 for her role in Tiger at the Gates. Ooh, I remember that one. It was a fantastic role. And then in, I hope you weren't at the Tony Awards <laughs> in 1956. And then in 1963, Diane was nominated for an Academy Award for her supporting role in Tom Jones. Okay. Uh, and right. Diane, Diane was also married to Sean Connery from 1962 to 1974. 
Ooh. So, and again, we don't want to be like, wow, the most interesting thing about her is that she was married to Sean Connery, but Diane was a successful working actress who was, I don't even want to say in the biz, but she was relatively well known. Yeah, and, and so this is this is the circle that Tony's swimming in here is with these types right, of Right, with these people. type of people. Did did Tony ever get in a fight with Sean Connery? No, no, mm-hmm. no, That's no. Because bad. by the time they met, Diane and Sean were already separated. Okay. So in 1971, Diane goes to work on the film, The Wicker Man, and it was on the set of The Wicker Man that she met Anthony. As I said, Diane was already separated from Sean, at the, Sean Connery at the time. Uh, Anthony however, was not separated. Mm. <laughs> but this doesn't stop the two of them from having an affair. Right. And and actually, what I like to say, it doesn't stop him from having an affair. You know, Diane it doesn't sound like there's a, there's a, Yeah, there's, it doesn't sound like a lot is preventing him from having an affair. Ever. Yeah, the Ever. man just is, he's going to have an affair. Ever. So at that time, even though Diane's originally from Queensland, at that time, she's She's also living in London. They they finished wrapping on The Wicker Man um, that I believe was filmed in Scotland. And they finished wrapping and, you know, she goes back to London. He goes back to London. And it's pretty convenient for them to to carry on this affair. Right? Sure. So they're both easy, living. Easy, they're squeezy. both living in London. He's still married. She's separated. Um, her divorce becomes final in 1974. They separated like in 1971, 1972. And in 1975, Diane says, you know what? I'm going back to the motherland. I'm going back to Queensland, Australia. So she like calls off the whole the whole affair. Well, not necessarily calls off, but she just doesn't want to live in London anymore. Okay. So she wants to go back to her homeland. Anthony then starts shuttling back and forth between the wife and kids in London and between the mistress in Queensland. Queensland. Where so, the, where, where's Queensland? I don't know exactly. I mean, I looked it up on the map, but Australia is so big. It is part of a rainforest, which I think is beautiful. So hmm. I believe it's in Northern Australia. I'll get our crack staff on that. Crack staff. Crack staff. And oh, crack staff. It's actually a town. It's, he, she reloaded. It was a town called Mossman in Queensland in Australia. So Queensland is a part of Australia, but it's not like the town of Queensland. Got so it. it's a province. Is that what they call it on Australia? Sure. I have no idea what they do down under. It's it's beyond me. So if anybody knows, it's comments, the upside down down there. Yeah. I, it's all backwards. Yeah, let me know because, like I said, I'm, over. I'm fascinated by Australia, but I'm also terrified to visit there simply because of the flight. It's just a long time to get there. I'm so. scared of the spiders and the snakes. But anyway, all right. But well, we digress. <laughs> Enough about us. Queen, the, the town is Mossman that she lives in. Um, it's in, in the Queensland, it's, Australia. Australia. Right. So okay. she goes back to there, but. As he's going back between Australia and London, he's slowly moving more and more to Queensland. Oh, so he's, okay. you know, it's it's 2030, you know, what was it? No, 3070, 40, math. Oh, you're doing, I God don't know. Damn like, it. God damn it. We will never doing, have an episode. Doing, you're doing percentages now. Yeah. I didn't know where you were going. Like so 20, he's, 30. He's 70% London, 30 in Australia. Then it's 60 in London, 40 in Australia. So you get, you get. Okay. All right. So, so, but more, so more and more, he's spending time in Australia and spending time with his mistress, Diane, right? Got it. They meet in 71, 75, Diane moves. In 1983, Carolyn and Anthony get divorced. Yay! Yay! Yay. Maybe. Yay. Yay. Huh? By all accounts, it was amicable. At the time, Carolyn said, I, this is a quote, I gradually came to accept that his passion for Diane and for all that Australia represented, such as its landscape, its climate, its challenges in terms of the world of theater, had overtaken his life and left him with no option but to embrace this passion. So, so she's not just blaming the other woman, but no. she's also blaming Australia. Yeah, and that Anthony was falling in love somewhere else with another woman, with Australia, with 
you know, I, especially like the challenges in, in terms of the world of theater. We'll talk about that in a little bit because Anthony just really came to love Australia and he was in love with Diane. Sure. So in 1983, Carolyn and Anthony get divorced amicably. Anthony and Diane get married in 1985. Very nice. The two uh, settle in Mossman. It's a little rural, rural town, little rainforesty, really pretty cool. They build their dream home on 200 acres. Two. 200 acres. Ever loving acres. Yeah. All uh, right. They called the home the castle. The castle contained a library of 18,000 books. Holy macaroni. It had windows depicting the nine muses. It was decorated with posters of all of Anthony's plays. They also built and established an outdoor theater. So this is going back to his passion uh, for theater. On his 200 acres? On the 200 acres. Good God. Anthony now is so at home in Australia that, you know, he starts calling Australia his home. He transfers his bank accounts, his credit cards to Australia. He voted in Australia elections, Australian elections. He pays taxes in Australia. So he became a citizen of Australia. Yeah. Not so fast. But Anthony also referred to himself as a peripatetic screenwriter, and he just can't stay in one place for too long. So peripatetic. Even, peripatetic. What the hell is a journey kind of journeyman kind of like oh, okay. you know? Yeah, all right. I've, I've used that phrase about us until we settled down. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, honestly never used the word. Uh, really? It's a great word. Peripatetic. That's a great word. I love so it. he still misses London and he decides to keep his flat in London. Mm -hmm. And in his memoirs, he still refers to it as his bachelor pad. Oh, there's something. Right. So, and he would return to London frequently, even though he felt that Australia was his home. And then it is in London in 1998 that Anthony meets his fourth mistress. mistress. Second mistress. Well, if, okay, you got first wife. Henrietta. Henrietta. Second wife. Carolyn. Carolyn. Was she ever a mistress? No one knows. All right. But we can assume well, based on fair. this guy's that's stripes. That's not fair. That's not fair. If the marriage was already over by the time they got to the honeymoon, it was just a horrible mistake, I think. So So we're, we're going to give Carolyn a hard pass on the being a mistress. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. This so then, is so this now he second means mistress. second mistress. Right. Okay. Second mistress. So we'll be right back with more of the mistress reality check list. Welcome back to the mistress reality check list. You got first wife Henrietta. Henrietta. Second wife Carolyn. Carolyn. Was she ever a mistress? No one knows. All right, but we can assume well, based on fair. this guy's that's stripes. That's not fair. That's not fair. If the marriage was already over by the time they got to the honeymoon, it was just a horrible mistake, I think. So, so we're we're going to give Carolyn a hard pass on the being a mistress. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So this then, is so this now he second means mistress. second mistress. Right. Okay. Second mistress. So he's married to Diane. Most of his time is spent in Australia. Blah 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 blah. He meets Marie Josette Capice Minutolo, otherwise known as Jojo. Jojo. And. <laughs> He meets Jojo in London? Yes. So let's talk about uh, Jojo a little bit. Let's get a yes, little background please. on Jojo. Jojo was born in New York City around 1941. So if you're doing the math, it's a 15-year difference. Oh, thank you for doing the math in advance. Not that age really matters, but... Um, yeah, 15 years isn't that bad. No, no. What's numbers? Jojo started off wanting to be an actress, but her family was not cool with that idea. They were like, nope, nope, nope. So instead, she ended up at the Parsons School of Design. Um, she then worked for Condé Nast and Glamour. Oh. She got married, moved to Turkey, 
Learn, learn the language. And then that is where, of all places, she became an actress. She became an actress in, in Turkey. Turkey. She spoke Turkish. So she's living in Turkey for a few years, and then she returns this to the United States. She started a PR firm and then lived in Washington, D.C., and ended up having three kids with her husband. So actress, actress in Turkey, back in the States, she opens a PR firm. Lives in Washington, D.C., has three kids. Has three kids. Life is good. Life is good, right? So she's she's had quite the career. You know what I mean? Yeah, Again, she, she comes from a relatively posh family. Parsons School of Design, career in publishing, you know, learns Turkish. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. she's all over the place. I mean, that, that's a, that's an impressive an actress, resume. Starts a PR firm. So in the 1980s, JoJo gets a divorce. We don't know why. Unrelated to anything. Unrelated to anything. So this is unrelated to Tony. Unrelated to 1980s. She gets divorced. Okay. She decides to move to London for a bit, and she lives in London for a little while, and then she moves to Rome. Of course, because that's what you do. That's what you do. You say, "I'm going to move to London for a little while," and then you move to Rome. Part of the reason why she says that she left the USA is because it gave her a chance to develop her PR business as well as worked on her sculptures and a book and photographs and a screenplay. Dun, dun, dun. So now we have we have an attachment. Now here. we're getting but the she's, she's all over the place. So, I mean, she's got a PR firm. She's an actress. She's a PR firm. She's in publishing. She's a, a sculptor, artist, yes. writer. She's just yes. doing it all. She's just doing it all. Yeah. Okay. So she writes this screenplay, and in 1998, JoJo travels from Rome to London to meet with Anthony to get his advice on the screenplay she was writing. Okay, so we don't know exactly how how they, they connected. We don't know. We don't know what her connection was to him. How she even got the meeting. How all that we do know and all that actually JoJo has ever said is that I sought out Anthony to get advice on a screenplay I was writing. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, which is a sound thing to do. I mean, the guys maybe know. Peter would have been better. Maybe. maybe, but Anthony was the one that she was able to connect with in more ways than one. Okay. She meets with Anthony to go over this screenplay and pretty much the affair started right from the first meeting. Boom. They're in it right Boom. right away. Is that fade in? Fade in eyes affair. Sparkle affair. Fade in affair. <laughs> <laughs> so JoJo is li- yeah, fade in. Fade in. Affair. Tony and JoJo are having an affair. So she's living in Rome. The affair starts pretty darn quickly. She's like, oh, I'm at it. <laughs> um what, what, what is, how do you say goodbye in Italian? Ciao. No, is it ciao? It's ciao is both hello ciao, and goodbye. Ciao is hello and goodbye. Ciao, oh, ciao, ciao, ciao. Arrivederci. 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 Yeah. Arrivederci. Right. She moves to London and moves in to Anthony's bachelor pad. Okay. Okay. So now bachelor pad officially is no longer a bachelor pad once you have a woman living there. Correct. So I would think, you know, and all the, all the while, keep in mind that Diane is still his wife. She is still in Queensland. Oh, that's right. Okay. Right. Yeah, he's got right. a... And he, and again, he was spending a little bit more time in London because he was working and all that kind of stuff, right? Or <laughs> what, whatever he was doing in London. Let's uh, define working, shall we? So JoJo moves in with him, and according to JoJo, they are inseparable. Um, she is not only his lover, she also claimed to be um, his assistant and even helped him write and edit his memoirs. Oh, yeah. All right, very nice. Um, for the next three or so years, Anthony continues to go between Australia and England, visiting his wife, Diane, in Queensland and living and also living in his two million dollar flat with his mistress, Jojo, in Chelsea, London. So he's going from the castle in Australia to his bachelor, bachelor pad. pad. Right. In so the guy is doing pretty good financially. I mean, when yeah, you think the guy about, is the guy's doing something right. Yeah. And that's not to like, you know, poo poo Diane either, because Diane 
like I said, had a very successful career. So between 1998 and 2001, he's doing the... Doing the back and forth. Back and forth. He's got the wife. He's got the mistress. But his health starts to deteriorate. He had heart problems. He had diabetes. He smoked a lot. Because now he's like 70-something years old. 70, yeah. upper 70s. Oh, you're going to uh, do the math. It's like 75. Uh, he was born in 1926. And it's 2001? Yeah. 70, 75. 75. Which isn't, which isn't old. It isn't true. It's it not is, old. It is not but, old. But, but if you live hard, uh, we just watched the George Carlin documentary last night, and it's sad that he was gone too soon. But a lot of it had to do with hard cocaine, alcohol, yeah. smoking. And seventy-five years old, and he's juggling two. He's been juggling women. several women for his entire life. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is kind of like this is the what he knows how to do. <laughs> yeah. Right? So in September of two thousand and one, he was in Ireland, and he got very ill. He ended up in the hospital, but he was healthy enough to make it back to London. September of 2001, he's deteriorating fast. On the night of November 5th, Anthony and Jojo went out to dinner. The next night, he was supposed to have dinner with his ex-wife, Carolyn. He remained very close to Carolyn, and Carolyn was listed among his best friends in his phone numbers. Him and Carolyn were pretty darn tight, you know. I suppose they they got... Kids together. They and got kids together. You know, she was pretty understanding when he when he left her for Diane because yeah. again, it's interesting when you know the marriage is over and there's no acrimony or animosity and you know I'm sure it took Carolyn time to process. So November fifth, him and Jojo have dinner. Supposed to have dinner the next night with the ex-wife Carolyn, but then according to Jojo, at three twenty a.m. the morning of November sixth or night yep. of November fifth, Anthony got up to get a glass of water and collapsed. She says that he died in her arms in the apartment, in the flat. Hospital records show that the doctors did try to revive. They got him to the hospital. They did try to revive him. And the coroner recorded his death as occurring at 4.34 a.m. Now, that doesn't mean a lot because, you know, yeah, he so could die. And then they get him to the hospital. They try to revive you. But it's one of those things that kind of plays a little bit later and. In, like exactly when did he... Right, and did he die in her arms or... Well, the, everyone in this entire story sounds very dramatic. So I think it's dying... very dramatic. <laughs> very dramatic. We honeymooned at arm's length. His passion for Australia outweighed mine. Mm. He died in my arms. <laughs> that was very dramatic. I am impressed. So Jojo, being the one, you know, that's with Anthony when he dies, she first breaks the news to Peter. His brother, Peter, twin okay. brother, Peter. Twin brother um, Peter. He flies in from New York. Anthony had another brother, Brian. He lived in Cambridge, and he immediately came. Adhering to Anthony's wishes, Jojo and Peter met and arranged Tony's burial in England. He wanted to be buried in England. According to Jojo, that's where he lived. That's where he was domiciled. You know, so he was born. That's where he was born. And so Peter and Jojo and Brian all meet, and they're like, yep, let's get this funeral started. Let's get the planning done. You know, they contact Diane, they contact Carolyn. Of course, they contacted Diane, but Jojo was the center of the information going out. Okay. So Jojo calls Peter. Uh, did, oh, was Diane aware of Jojo? I mean, or like as an assistant or anything like that's that? That's a question. That is a question because okay. the call was made to Diane. Diane gets on a plane, right? Yep. She talks to Peter, she talks to Brian, they all come. Jojo and Peter are planning the funeral. And uh, leading up to the funeral, things started to get weird. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the weirdness to occur here because okay. this all sounds like too. La 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 la. We're going to plan the funeral. Well, and also like I know funeral. you're having an affair, and that's who you are. And as always, we have learned that it's it's never the 
crime, it's the cover-up. It's like the contracts are only as good as the paper they're written on and that kind of stuff. Define so, a promise. Define a promise. So leading up to funeral, things start to get weird, get, get a little tense. According to Claudia, one of Anthony's daughters, so there's mm-hmm. Claudia and Cressida, she arrives at the flat to grab some suits to dress Tony in for his funeral. And before she left, Jojo frisked, frisked her. Frisked. frisked her? Yes, to make sure she wasn't walking off with anything else from the apartment. Oh my goodness gracious. So Patted her down. And Claudia says, I looked in her eyes and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a direct quote from Claudia. I looked in her eyes and thought, uh-oh. Okay, so... We got one of these. Anthony was buried in Highgate Cemetery on a drizzly November day. Mm, sounds very dramatic. Peter delivered the eulogy. Carolyn, Claudia, Cressida, the two daughters were there. Brother Brian was there. Wife, Diane, and of course, Jojo. God, what a cast of characters. Right, amongst other people mourning, but the whole fam dam. Henrietta, his first wife, had passed away by that time. So just to kind okay. of give you an idea why she wasn't there. Well, she was always... Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Arms length. Arms length. Well, so they bury Closer. they bury Anthony at Highgate Cemetery. Everybody's there. A few days later, Jojo decided to hold a mourning ceremony at the apartment. According to Carolyn, okay. second wife, when Diane, third wife, arrived, Jojo, quote, stood in the doorway looking appalled. Jojo was looking appalled. Like, you shouldn't be here. Carolyn also noted that the studio was covered with photographs of Minutolo and her children. There was nothing left of Tony. So Jojo what? is basically starting to claim this flat as hers. Oh, no. Right. Now, think about yeah. this. Claudia, don't take any of my shit. Because it's my shit. Yeah. This is my apartment. I'm going to take down that Stupid boar's head Anthony had on the wall, and I'm going to put up this thing. It seems rather silly on her part to say, I'm going to throw a mourning party. And show you how I redecorated. <laughs> and show you how I've already redecorated this house. Right. And, and I think I think her beef with Diane was that Diane was the current wife. I don't think she had a problem with Carolyn or Claudia or Cressida or Peter or Brian coming to the mourning thing. But I think the fact that Diane showed up irked her. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it is odd. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, so here we are. So it's pretty obvious JoJo has made this flat her home, considers herself Anthony's partner, and and I'm telling you, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She, and I'm telling you. She's got her claws dug I'm into the walls. I'm not but. going. Uh, that's Dream Girls, just in case. I didn't so know. So as with every death, well, I shouldn't say every death, uh, if we've learned the hard way from Prince, there usually is a will. Sometimes yes. there isn't. Sometimes there, yeah. Like like Prince. No matter what you do, will, no will, it just complicates anything. So now we get to the will, right? So JoJo is singing the tune from Dream Girls. I'm telling you, I'm not going. Right. This is my place. JoJo's I am, laying I, claim. I am domiciled she here. She is peeing in the corners. <laughs> He's domiciled here. <laughs> Anthony last updated his will in September of 1999. Okay. About a year after he met Jojo, about a year after Jojo moved in. Okay. Now, in that will, he gave his address as Queensland, Australia. Okay. Okay. He left his estate, his estate to be distributed between Diane. Diane. Second wife, Carolyn. Second wife, Carolyn. His two daughters. The, the cremelon cream cheese. 
Claudia and Cressida. <laughs> Claudia and Cressida. His, and his two brothers, Brian and Peter, and Peter was working as the executor. Okay. Jojo is not in the will. Jojo's nowhere close to the will. Nowhere close to the will. This is this sounds dumb, but it's also something I think I should say. It's under English law. Tony was entitled to leave his estate to whoever he wanted. And there was no obligation to provide financially for spouses, partners, children's mistresses. That's pretty much the law everywhere, I think. I don't know if it is in the US. Well, well I don't I'm not sure if that works in the US. I mean That's what I'm wondering. The, the, like your current spouse and and your current spouse and your kids, I mean, like they don't, don't they get first crack at a will? I mean, wouldn't they? I mean, that's that's kind of the deal. It's, that's why you get married. It's like all the crap but goes in my But in England, you're under no obligation. He, It does not matter. It does not matter if if he has, again, use the word, no obligation to leave We're going to probably get a lot of comments on this one that people say, um, you guys are morons about divorce law. Well, we're not lawyers. We're just okay. highly opinionated. We're here to give good <laughs> advice on relationships that were bad ideas. This isn't legal advice, just good advice. Yeah, yes. Uh, so obviously, JoJo isn't in the will. Okay. She ain't happy. She court. takes them all to court. Absolutely. As well she should. As well she should. So JoJo starts building her case. JoJo's first claim that Anthony was living in England when he died, and she could therefore claim a share of his state under British law as a dependent. So he's living in England. I can claim that I'm a dependent. Yeah, which is- I was living under his roof. He was, you know, accounting for me or right. somehow. We were partners. You know, I was his assistant. I was his lover. I was, you know, helping him. With she him. was dependent on him. Yes. She also claimed that they were indeed domiciled together, which again is a very important domicile together. She also said that Anthony wanted a divorce, that he proposed to her and gave her an engagement ring. Mm, sounds like a promise. So sounds like a promise. Very interestingly enough, uh, Jojo wasn't able to provide witnesses to this. Was she able to provide a ring? Of course, she was claiming everything in the house, so I'm sure she could find a ring that would look like that. So it gets a little more interesting. So Jojo cites his memoir. The memoir is called, uh, So What Did You Expect? Which, very interestingly enough, was published on the day he died. Totally by coincidence. He wrote the memoir. He went to print when he died? Like. Yeah, it was November 6, 2021, published November 6, 2021. That's crazy. Um, Jojo in court stated that Anthony's affection was noted by his placement of her lengthy Italian name in the first paragraph of the book. He referred to her as Marie Josette Jojo Capice Minutulo. The fact that he called her out like on the very first paragraph. That's her legal standing? Well, 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 hold on, hold on. Okay. Anthony also cited in the text of the book, which she also had written in his handwriting, that he had left living Australia years before and lived only in London. She also said that Anthony never took citizenship in Australia, and in the last four years of his life, less than 14% of his time was spent in Australia. JoJo is claiming that once So he- by the just for those who are uh, keeping score, that would be 86 London, 14, 14 Australia. Australia. If that math adds up, he met- Jojo and was then spending domiciled with her, spending most of the time with her, living with her as partners. She is a dependent in England. Okay. Jojo claimed that she, in effect, lived as his wife, his partner, assistant, caregiver for the last two, three years and had become financially dependent on him. 
Sure. She and her lawyers cited, and this is a British law, keep that in mind, cited the Inheritance Provision for Family Independence Act 1975, which states certain categories of persons, such as spouses, partners, civil partners, former spouses, and former partners, children or dependents, can apply to the court for financial provisions to be made for them out of the estate if they consider they have not been properly provided for in the will. Oh. I know that's lengthy, but just unpack that like in dumbass Christine terms. Basically, if you felt you got gypped out of the will, you can... You can go to the courts and say, excuse me, I got gypped out of the will, and that's bullshit, and you need man. to pro- you need to provide for me. Which, you know, when you really think about it, that's not a bad... If it's used properly, that's not a bad statute to have. Because if you have a dick of a person that wants to cut out his kids, and the kids are like four and two... And right, but wills are contested in the United States wills, as well. Right, right. And for all sorts of reasons. It's like British law has that provision in it, but they still there's still a legal hurdle that they got to get over, I'm assuming. Exactly. We'll be right back with more of the Mistress Reality Check List. Welcome back to the Mistress Reality Check List. Which, you know, when you really think about it, that's not a bad, if it's used properly, that's not a bad statute to have. Because if you have a dick of a person that wants to cut out his kids and the kids are like four and two. But wills are contested in the United States as well. And for all sorts of reasons, it's like British law has that provision in it, but they still, there's still a legal hurdle that they got to get over, I'm assuming. Exactly. English law differs somewhat to both the laws in the United States and Australia, because under British law, Jojo being publicly named next to Ken Independent was 100% legal and represented the publicly recorded and stated wishes of Tony. You know, them being engaged, him thinking about a divorce and blah, blah, blah. And then Jojo also claimed that Anthony had a new will written in his own hand and was to be finalized, but was unsigned at the time of the death. Yeah, that sounds convenient Right, and of course she was in that one. She's kind of saying, oh, he had this new will. He just didn't sign it. He just didn't make it legal. And look, I'm publicly named of, of next of kin independent. And yeah, look she's, at this. Yeah, she's got a lot of, again, a lot of promises to be put in front of the court, say, I got screwed out of the will. Right, right. Yeah. And again, in England, you know, it's not about even contesting a will. It's like it's, it's par for the course, you know. The estate basically has a very... Itty bitty argument. They get a different, they after, get a different after take on all of these things JoJo claims <laughs> caregiver, partner, fiance, assistant, dependent, blah, 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 blah. The estate says Anthony, fuck you, has a legal will. <laughs> <laughs> Typed up, signed, notarized. Just over two years old. You know, just think about that. Just over two years old. Yeah. And that uh, his home was in Australia where British law does not apply. Oh, yeah. Now let's go back to his will, his legal will. Okay. He puts his residence as, as Queensland, Australia. Was his will written in England? That I don't know. doesn't matter where it's written. I suppose. But he gave his residence as Australia saying, I am. And that goes back Australia. to a little bit earlier what I said, you know, in that will that he wrote in September of 1999, he listed his residence as Queensland, Australia. So the estate says, fuck you. Here's the legal will. And fuck you, he is a resident of Australia. And fuck you, get British out of law. the fucking flat. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. Flat. British law does not apply. <laughs> this finally comes to an end in February of 2004. So this goes on for about two and a half years, right? Okay. And it comes to an end and not in the way JoJo hopes, which, as we know, usually do- <laughs> does not go the way the mistress 
Oops. It's very rare, very rare that it does. Yeah, the mistress fights valiantly, but oof. Very valiantly and very costly. So the courts ruled that Australia had been Anthony's home at the date of his death. So like, let's just hard stop on that. Period in the story, at the date of his death, Australia was his home. And therefore, Jojo shouldn't bring her claim here in England. She should go to Australia. Oh, no. Yeah. So, that, jo- so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that Jojo was wrong. Doesn't mean she doesn't have a claim. She just doesn't have one in England. Right. She's fighting it in the wrong court. Correct. Two uh, and a half years later, they're like, you got the wrong address. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Return to sender. You know, you know all that so halfway money, around the world. all that time. And like, you know, bird bar. Yeah. You know, Australia. Those are fun, yeah. fun arguments there, Jojo. But uh... Uh, Justice Lewison, who presided over it, said he did not doubt that Schaefer formed an intimate and loving relationship with Jojo in London, but rejected her argument, saying, I do not doubt that relationships with women were important to Anthony, but I do not consider they were geographically fixed. <laughs> So even this guy is kind of like... Like lady. Yeah. He's all over the he's place. He's all over. You know, if word gets out in Spain about his death, you don't know if someone's going to Yeah, someone's going to crawl out of the woodwork anywhere. And this is another interesting thing. Jojo wasn't the only loser in this. England was. Because... <laughs> England was? England How did was, England get screwed? It was a loss to the Inland Revenue, which is basically like the IRS of England. They weren't able to tax Anthony's estate. Because it's all in Australia. Australia. Death duty taxes, which amounted to buku bucks, were lost to the UK. He had a multi-million dollar fortune and Australia does not impose death duties. Now let's unpack that for a second. Did he claim his home in Australia because he's like, I don't want the government taking any of my fucking money. Which is very much something rich people do. Right. You know, not thinking about Jojo, not thinking about her, but... England is going to tax the fuck out of you after you die, tax your estate. We've talked about Jackie Onassis and why her kids had to sell a bunch of stuff. Australia doesn't impose a death duty tax. So Jojo loses. England England loses. loses. (laughs) So Jojo is told, hey, you can either appeal this or take it to Australian court. She decides to go ahead with with an appeal, but then she starts running out of money and she's like, fuck it. I dropped it. I'm just out of here. So she packed up her flat. She packed up the flat. Or was kicked out of her flat. <laughs> yeah, because uh, right at this point, it's it's not her flat. Right. And so flat broke. Ba-dum, bum. Hey, ho, look at you go. JoJo left England, returns back to the good old USA. Wow. Okay, so the good news is that JoJo didn't come out 100% empty-handed. Anthony did provide her with an annuity that was paying her. Uh, oh, well, and that's so. Not- so I don't know if he was thinking about her future, their future, who knows. But he did have an annuity with JoJo as the benefactor. So she continued to collect on that annuity, right. I'm assuming, for the rest of her life then. Right. Or until the value of the annuity is gone. Again, anybody in finance would need to tell me that. But anyway, so he did provide her with I an think, annuity. I think we need to call 1-800-NEED-CASH-NOW. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> or we could call our financial advisor and find out the answer on we that. So he provided that. her with an annuity. And then the other interesting thing is that she came out with awards in damages. Because we all know the British press is... Ruthless. Fair. <laughs> so... When this all went to court, Jojo and the Schaefer family mm-hmm. all decided that this is going to be a close court, no outsiders, we don't need anybody in our business. But that didn't stop the press from 
Jumping all over it. Jumping all over it, publishing things, hearsay, word of mouth, innuendos, and all of that. Jojo ended up with about 35,000 pounds in libel damages. They accused her of being an opportunist who only pretended to have a relationship and only wanted, you know, to get a slice of Anthony's fortune. So she ended up with an annuity and 35,000 pounds in damages. That sounds like not a lot for two and a half years worth of... Uh, two and a half, three years. Uh, and again, a $2 million flat that she thought was going to be hers. And, and again, we don't know what was promised to her. We don't know if he was getting a divorce. We don't know if they were engaged because she made these claims, but she didn't really have anybody to back it up. Interestingly enough... Uh, Jojo, so Jojo takes off to the USA with her 35K. And annuity. Uh, yeah, an annuity. The will, that dragged on for many years because Peter and Carolyn and Claudia and Cressida all had a falling out. And what they think it was about was when Anthony's memoirs were published, he outed Peter. and Outed Peter? As, as, as gay. And oh. didn't do it in a kind way. Peter got really, really pissed at Anthony Oh, that's he hardcore even, to he, your twin brother. He even was like, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something about, I'm going to dig him the fuck up and <laughs> bury him somewhere else because because Peter, Peter wanted to be buried in Highgate. <laughs> Peter wanted to be buried in Highgate. And he's like, I'm not coming near that motherfucker. You know, so, wow. so, so poor Carolyn and Cressida and Claudia, you know, they wanted to sell the flat. They wanted to move on with their lives. But because Peter had it out with, Anthony from the grave. Yeah, that's a hard fight, man. When someone's dead is to, you know, to yeah. get and, back and, and at them. Yeah, and here's the thing, and again, you know, it's, I can only imagine the, you know, while it was known that Peter was gay, it wasn't widely known. And again, that's not your place to say or your business to tell. And right. and Anthony, Peter had, they had been kind of competitive because Peter was always more successful than Anthony. And so I think that might've been his, you know, little got, knife, yeah, yeah a little, little dig right at the end. And so uh, my only problem with that is like, don't punish the wife and kids. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. Why do they got an you know, yeah, and, and Carolyn was a really good friend to Anthony and great mother and all of that. And so. And um, I would imagine then very close to Peter. I mean, they're twins. Yeah. For yeah. So, so that was an interesting little sidebar to this is that, you know, even after, even after it was all over, you know, it didn't go well. So Anthony passes away. He's buried. Jojo loses. She takes her 35K pounds, 35,000 pounds and her annuity heads back to the United States. Today, she is a working writer and an artist. She does her sculptures. She has a photograph book. And if you, you really- She's should, still alive? She's still alive. Well, she was born in 1941. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, geez. I don't, well, I, there's a lot of numbers and names and things floating <laughs> around here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so anyway, um, I highly recommend you go to her website, Jojo Capisi, J-O-J-O-C-A-P-E-C-E.com. Hold on, do that again. J-O-J-O-C-A-P-E-C-E.com. Okay. Um, and on that website, she has her own take on what went down with Anthony. Oh, fun. And it's all in there. It's all in there. <laughs> so she's. You think I talked about drama? She's beating up on a dead guy. Well, not really well. beating up on a dead guy, beating up on the system. Oh, all and right. beating up on like, you know, like he died in my arms and he promised me the world and that flat was mine and he was going to marry me. And, and it's, ah, it's actually, it I, I would have read from it, but it's a lot and I don't want to parcel out stuff and pick and yeah, choose, but it's really, that. it's really interesting to see what she has to say. And she has every right to say it. And you know, and if uh, Carolyn and Claudia and Cressida and Peter want to sue her for damages, then go right ahead. But they can get 35,000 pounds. They can get 35,000 pounds. So that's it. So that is the story of screenwriter, 
playwright, Tony Award winning playwright, Anthony Schaefer, and his mistress, the artist, Marie Josette Jojo Capice Minotolo. Otherwise known as Jojo. Tony and Jojo. Yes. Okay. Or just Joe. Or Tony and Joe. Uh, okay, so let's get to the rules. Yeah, what rules were were did you stumble upon? Here? Um, so there's something really interesting that I unpacked with this, and I'll get to that. She did. They did something right. Make sure he has an insurance policy on you that names you as the benefactor. Don't yeah, don't she's even got think an, about it. She's got an annuity. She had an annuity where That's... she was the benefactor. So whether she was aware of that or not until his death, who knows? But she she got that right, or Anthony got that right. And I go back to. We can't just say, oh, she's lying about divorce and being engaged because Anthony had a pattern, yep. you know, and if he was willing to take out an annuity with her as the sole benefactor, there had to be something there. And But if in his head, too, it might have been, that's what you get. Like, you're not, you're not going to get, you're, you're, you're not, not, you're you're not, not my will. You're not getting will. the flat. You're not getting part of the 200 acres. You're not getting the theater. You're not getting that. You're not getting residuals from my plays or movies. You're so, getting this annuity and that's that, and that should be enough. Right. So she got that right. Okay. Yep. The other one is get items in your name. And this one is not that easy because we already established that his bachelor pad was his bachelor pad in London. And there was no way he was going to say, hey, I'm going to share it with you because he didn't share it with. Diane, he didn't share it. You know, it was his, it was his bachelor pad. Yeah. That is something to think about that if you guys are talking about getting married and if you are going to make London as your home, and if you have given up your career, whether it's screenwriting and you are his assistant, get something in your name. Because as we have seen, she got kicked out of the flat. And this goes back to why it's even important with couples that are just, you know, you never want one person's name to be on the house deed unless you're provided for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Unless you have an agreement, something, you know... Yeah, you need to protect your assets. If you believe one of the assets that is partly yours is the home... Correct. Your name needs to be on that asset, because if it's not, guess what? It's not your asset. Correct, because we have had couples where one of them had the better credit, one of them had the money, one of them had the down payment. They get the house, and then the agreement is, well, you pay for utilities and, you know, you pay for this and all that, the upkeep of the house, and it goes south. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, wait a minute, I put money into this home and now I get nothing back. So, you know, whether it's get, getting items in your name, whether it's more like, you know, esoteric, think about that. Just think about that. Yeah, what is, what is actually yours? What's provable in a court of law right. is yours? Because if, if, it's, if your name isn't on it, your name is not on on it. It. And if we believe Carolyn, and there's no reason not to, JoJo really thought that that place was going to be hers for whatever reason. She was like, this is my home. I'm going to put up pictures of my kids now, and this is going to be my home for a while. Yeah. And it, and they very well could have spoke at length about the intent of right. what was going to happen after he died. Because again, he wasn't in good health. He yeah. might have been, again, we've taught, we've had other cases where it's like they're facing their mortality and they're kind of like, oh boy, I better make sure you're... And of course, we don't know if they had those conversations because she didn't bring it up. But you know, he just did a will two years earlier. He has. He was lawyers. already a year into the relationship with her. Think yeah. about that. He was already a year into the relationship. Oh, that's why with I, her. I'm going to go back and just say he probably put that annuity together and said, "That's, that's what, what you, you get. get." And the last rule that is get every promise in writing, and this one's interesting with her too because. You know, she claims to have had the handwritten will. Now, I have not found any evidence where she presented it in court because, again, these were closed-door hearings. So it's not like you can, you know, this is what she claimed. Yeah. And and as we've also found in these episodes, too, usually the 
the defendant in this case, like the defendant, the Schaefer family mm-hmm. are like, we don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. So if she had this will, get it fucking signed, get it notarized, get something. It might not be worth anything, but it's at least worth something. And if he went so far as to write out a will longhand, then he had every intent to make that real. Yeah. And then, and, but until he signs it in front of a notary, that's right. all just, it's make-believe. Yeah. So get, get your promises in writing. You know, w- when Dan and I were first together, we wrote out a really stupid rudimentary will because we didn't have any money. We, we, we signed it. Yeah. We put it in an envelope. We mailed it, kept the postmark, didn't open it just in case something happened. Yeah. That's and all we could do. That's all we could do. And would it have been enough? I don't know, but at least it's something. Go into a, into a judge and say, here's an envelope unopened. What's in it? What's in it? Because I, I forget what we put in that. Yeah, and, and I even think about his memoirs that he made a point of mentioning her in the first paragraph. I mean, there's a lot interesting with this because he obviously died too soon in more ways than one because maybe if he was intending to move away from Diane and move forward with JoJo, it just didn't happen in time. And I think this is the other... The other part of this, and this is for everyone, not just the mistress, whatever your intent is, get it in writing, make it clear because- Get a witness, get anything. Because if you don't, it ends up just being a mess for everyone after you're gone. So that's it for the rules. But there's one thing I do want to talk about with this as well. And I have my note here. Disputes like this don't just happen to rich and famous people. People are living longer. So we're doing wills or we're doing beneficiaries on an insurance policy. In today's day and age, it's not uncommon for us to have or move through relationships or people fall in and out of our lives. And we don't update things as often as we should, be it a will, insurance, a benefactor for a 401k or whatever. If you're not conscious of that, you're going to either forget someone along the way or keep someone in that you might not want in anymore. No matter what, it's always a good idea to at least once a year, take a look at where your money's going after you're gone and make sure it's going to where you want to go. If it's really important to you, know what the rules are of the state or country that you're living in. Those things pop up all the time. And it is in all of these stories that you've been telling me here, it is what are the rules where you live. Right. Because if you think they're one thing and they happen to be another, they can go against you so hard, so fast. And not only for the survivors, but for the person who died. Because again, especially if your health is not good. And so from the mistress's point of view, because to help out people who are in this situation, you know, you want to get your name on these things. Correct. The big problem then is if there's failing health involved, then are are you a gold digger? Are you... not that you are, but you can be perceived as that. And an argument can be used against you. Correct. It could be like, you know, he was barely lucid when he signed those papers and all that kind of stuff. Or she was barely lucid when she signed those papers. But I think, like I said, the bigger message to me is really, if, if it's important for you, for certain people to be provided for, do it sooner rather than later. Don't wait. Don't think it's not going to be a concern after you're gone. Don't think that other people are going to do the right thing either. You yeah, know, like, don't, don't ever assume that anyone on the other side of someone's death is going to, right. And you not never that, know what their intentions are. Not that anybody, not, not that Peter or Carolyn or Claudia Cressida had any obligation to do right by Jojo, but never, ever, ever think that, oh, it'll work out because it never does. 
It never does. So that is going to wrap up this episode. And I hope you guys, again, I don't want to end on a morbid note, but it's it's part of the reason why we do it. It's about- Protect your ass. Well, it's it's guard your present, protect your future, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I think that's it, right? I think that uh, that's it. That was a wild, interesting story. It's a wild interesting ride, story. Right? We yeah. went across the pond and down under. We Down under like four <laughs> we went, times. We apparently. went back to the yeah. USA. We went to Turkey. <laughs> you were in Turkey for a little bit. Rome? Well, this was a globe-trotting, multi-mistressed wife experience. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to do it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this is Christine Pfeiffer Stocky. And Dan Stocky. And we are signing off from the Mistress Reality Check list. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mistress Reality Checklist. The Mistress Reality Checklist is produced by This Never Happened and recorded in beautiful downtown Duluth, Minnesota.